It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday september 26th and you're listening to episode 539 as always i'm your host jason here today joined by game designer my co-designer michael wasbrock hello, hello michael. everybody hi jason hi hi builders good to be here it's good to have you back how do you keep track of the right? You must write it down beforehand. What episode is next, right? Because there's no way otherwise. In on this on this little this little tablet here, I'm showing you that no one else can see. I have five thirty nine, the twenty sixth. Your name, uh, not that I need that. It's just what I write down, and then your Twitter handle. You're a, a very, so. very, very good prep. Very good show prep. Well done. I, I have screwed it up enough times that I'm getting better at remembering to show prep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's how that works um all right well hey it's good uh it's good to have you back again i think you last time you were on was probably the geekway was it the geekway we... recap yeah that was that was longer ago than i i thought but um... well you have so many of these it's always like hey hi guest didn't i have you on two weeks ago and it's like no i haven't <laughs> talked to you in six years there's there's a lot of water under the bridge between episodes it's um, true. It, it's very it doesn't true. Feel that long ago for me, right? And it never feels that long ago for me either, just because. But, um, yeah, because I enjoy these episodes so much that uh, I forget uh, how long ago episodes tend to be. Well, I'm excited to talk about uh, one of our, our our co-designs. I can say that plural now because even though it's sort of the same game, it's not. We have we have uh, turned one design into two we are uh loaves yes. and fishes this thing and it's multiplying and it will be <laughs> six right. games by the time we're done that's um, right so and that's kind of the, the the uh the core of the topic of what we're, we're chatting about today or at least a little bit about this games plural um and what it's yeah. turned into yeah and i i think that you know kind of the idea of this was instead of just approaching this like a like a standard topic we thought what a great time to just actually take a good, you know, documentary look at a game that we were working on, problems we encountered, you know, the the ups and downs that we had, and then what we decided to do um, with the, uh, you know, with that and and how it's panning out, and then uh, and then we're gonna ask for some help. So, yeah. spoiler alert, that's the whole episode. Uh, you could stop listening now, but you'll miss all the good stuff. So don't do that. And the good stuff is free games online. Free games now online. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna we'll talk about that at the end, but we uh we'll make something available a uh, a prototype because we want your feedback. We want to hear from yes, you. Yes, that's right. So uh, this is gonna be a fun topic uh, for me as well. So we're talking about uh, a game that kind of took a hard right turn um, because we had. I mean, I I'm curious to hear your exact thoughts on on why we hit the pivot, but we hit a pivot point with. Big the game time. previously known as Before the Light Dies, which still exists in our hearts and minds and possibly down the road. But we, we hit a point where we basically said, there's two directions this game can go. Um, we can pursue a core mechanic in the game that kind of came out of the game's theme, I'd say. The theme and the, and the core idea of what the game was to be about. Uh, we had this mechanic of 
discovery of seeking and finding a player a bit Mm -hmm. like the mechanic of uh, guess who or battleship just to reference some super super familiar old school games but you know mechanically not at all like that but the idea is you know there's hidden information you're trying to Mm -hmm. identify someone's location on a map and um the mechanic that we built just didn't really fit the theme or the vibe of the game and we we discovered that more and more as we got feedback from play testers um Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we we asked ourselves, do we want to pursue the theme and some of the other survival aspects of Before the Light Dies, which I think we've talked about briefly on the show. We did. But- yeah. Uh, on one of the last episodes you were on, we chatted about our work on that game specifically. Yeah. But for anyone that doesn't listen to every single episode ever published, um, <laughs> the 30-second overview is it, it it was and is a asymmetric co-op game where you're trying to, uh, one player is lost in the wilderness and is trying to survive and communicate clues about their whereabouts to another player that's trying to search and rescue and find them. And the mechanic we were using for the survival and everything worked great, but it just it didn't really mesh well. With mm-hmm. the uh, with the mechanic we were using for communicating information about where you are, is that a fair way to describe it? What what was the moment or the disconnect for you where you thought, "Hey, we need to talk about where this game is going and and have a kind of a a, a co designed decision on next steps?" Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And so, gosh, when we were thinking about the game um, in general, so you know, uh, when I first said, hey, "Like, hey, let's work on this game," like. The theme was very important to me because um, this is historically a theme that I've tried to use like the some sort of wildernessy theme. And then it just keeps not happening. Um, and that's always a bummer. And uh, I was like, oh, Michael's super into this stuff. So we'll keep we'll stick to this theme. Uh, and then we didn't. Uh, but, but I think <laughs> I think for me. So, you know, we kept we kept doing play tests. And and when you and I play tested it, we enjoyed the whole game. Right. Like the whole yeah. game felt like it was fun. It was a cool puzzle, this weird communication thing. Um, but we kind of made the mistake of we did so much playtesting that we got very, I think, insular about it. And, and we were like, OK, we know what how this is working. And then we started doing more playtests. And a lot of those playtests were really would find ways to break the rules. And we we're like, OK, that's cool. We can do this. We can do this. And then we finally did the playtest with uh, Jonathan Chaffer and Roscoe Shock. And that playtest was, I think, a really big turning point for me because it showed us that the way the game was currently built really felt like a game where one player was playing a game and the other person was facilitating a game and waiting around a lot for that Mm. player. Um, And so that, you know, you and I, I think at that point, my first instinct was like, well, let's just build up the other player to have that interesting of a game. Um. But I, I think the core feedback that we continually got for this was communication is really fun. I like the communication. So you and I really tried to focus hard on doing the communication, right? And making the communication a bigger part of the game. And we made a lot of tweaks for that. But I think what we found was that, you know, eventually the communication was not the central point of the game. And based on the feedback we had and our feelings about the communication of the puzzle, really that like the um the, the that mechanic was good enough that it deserved to have a game that was featured around that and that it didn't it, it shouldn't be a secondary piece, right? It was right. like, 
hey, we've we have cracked a mechanic that is new, that is interesting, and we're relegating it to a game where it doesn't shine like it could. Um, I, I think that's I think that's exactly where we got to. And I, I think I might have made the suggestion um, and co-designing has been a new experience for me and, and a good one, but it's pre- presented some new challenges. It does. One it of does. those being I had this realization that I, I, I wasn't sure this mechanic, like you said, and I think you felt the same way, but I didn't know you felt the same way until I talked to you <laughs> right, about right. it. Um, I felt like it, it didn't have an opportunity to fully shine when it was layered with um, you know, this engine building survival strategy game where you're trying to keep all of your, your, your health and other bars mm-hmm. balanced. And, um, and so the mechanic we're talking about is where you are trying to communicate information about your whereabouts on a map from mm-hmm. one player to another by showing them cards that have simple iconography on them. So yep. you as the lost player would know um, your surroundings, you would know that there are mountains to the northeast of you, that there's a river uh, directly south and, and other bits of information. And, mm-hmm. and you would try and communicate that using what were effectively emojis or something, not literally emojis, but simple symbols on cards, triangles and squares and squiggles. Um, and that was your only communication to the player trying to find and triangulate you. And, um, and I think at one point we called them emojis. And then we, we, we thought, what if we made them emojis and that right, right. i think was the moment we were like wait this is a a really cool unique mechanic mm-hmm. um, neither of us have seen this in all of our time of playing games and in your 10 plus years of designing them uh, and it deserves pursuit but it, it just it doesn't fit with mm-hmm. this survival uh, rescue game that we also both love and want to keep pursuing and mm-hmm. so i think i made the suggestion of what if we make a game that is just about the communication aspect. What if the game mm-hmm. is nothing but, hey, find a person that is lost or hidden or an object communicating with these cards of icons on it, and let's just kill everything else right, and right, boil right. it down to that. What would that look like? And we took a session or two to brainstorm that. And that that's a big step. And I think that's a step that lots of designers are scared to do. It's mm-hmm. Designers are familiar with the phrase, kill your darling, or I think there's some other takes on that essentially saying don't be afraid to get rid of that mechanic or aspect or theme that you love in your game because it might be the thing that's holding you back from innovation but for me that has been a um a uh, a tenant to game design and and other things that I, i do in life for a long time i'm a big champion of the idea of failing quickly and Mm -hmm. failing fast so Mm -hmm. that you have time to move on to other things um can I tell a quick non-game design story? Of course, of course, yeah. This this isn't just a game design podcast. So <laughs> not not, not by a long shot. So <laughs> not not from what I've heard. Uh, <laughs> so the best example I have in my life of of living to this idea of failing quickly um, is I I played a lot of sports in middle school and high school, and in early high school, I tried out for and I'm using air quotes. I tried out for recreation like YMCA basketball mm-hmm. and it wasn't tryouts. Everyone gets to play on the team. Right. Um, if you, you were like, I'm tall show up. Yeah. I, and I, I have ups. I was, I, I could, I could jump high. Apparently that's all I could do um, for the tryouts. You had to go do two layups and then like shoot a two point shot. And then, they would just sort people into teams based on skill and it would be a super low stakes thing. I missed both of my layups 
And so I just left. I walked out of the gym and I never, <laughs> never, ever went back. <laughs> and I never, and I found a different sport. And I, uh, and I discovered that I love soccer. And I spent four years uh, having an absolute blast playing that sport. So yes, you should try hard, but also know when to just walk away from something. And right, right. This, this, is, uh, this is something that I, I try to bring to any big decision I'm in. Um, and it definitely applies a lot in game design. And I think this is one of those moments where it was helpful. Well, I, I think that, that one of the things to think about, like, so, I mean, there are two ways to think about the story of like, you know, kill your darlings and, and just don't be afraid to drop the best. The thing you like, you know, kind of the rule that I've heard many people say is don't be afraid to get rid of the thing that you think is the best thing about your game. Right. Um, if, if it sounds like that would make your game better and, but there's, there's, there is, so there's two different ways. There's that, right. Which is like, I believe this is the best part of the game. And let's set that aside for a second and let's step back and say, don't be precious. Right. Which is kind of the thing that I try to be more about. And that's because, you know, for me, that theme is what I was being precious about, right? Because when you even said, like, what if we just make this a communication game? And I was like, well, why waste this theme on a communication game? That was like my first thought was like, mm-hmm. well, this this is better than that. You know, like this theme is it deserves more than that, right? And I and, agree. I still agree. Right, right, right. Yeah, which is which we'll get to later. But so <laughs> um, but but the, the danger there could have been. That if we had both said, you know, like, no, this this communication system does not fit with this game. And it doesn't. It does not. Like, it deserves to be separate. We could have said, let's just scrap it. We'll use it some other time. And let's keep working on this survival game. Um, mm. And that would have been the wrong decision to make, I think, at the time. Um, so, so while yeah. we both were in love with this communication mechanic, it was because it was really, really good. Um, and you know, people were giving us feedback that it was really good. So I, oh. I think that that is the lesson. It's the same as like the basketball lesson, right? Of like, <laughs> well, I just gave up and I did something else. Right. I think, you know, that pivot is important to remember that you can pivot to something else and that, that, um, that you don't want to just throw something away because, you know, you feel like, well, it, it just doesn't work the way I want it to. Like, I don't know. I, I, I say exercise caution when doing that. <laughs> Because we could have lost a mechanic uh, that I think is is making a spectacular, you know, quick, fun game. I, I think so, too. And, I, and that's an interesting point. There's yes, we we knew we needed a pivot, but there's a couple places we could have pivoted to. Um, what what made you want to pursue this single mechanic rather than the the theme that you were and are so passionate about? And, and that also had other I think pretty solid mechanics already built up around it. What made mm-hmm. you want to pursue this communication mechanic, which is essentially the way I describe it is it's a um, it's in the spirit of those familiar games like like charades or um, uh, what is the what is the word game uh, taboo? It's like that kind of thing, right? You're mm-hmm. trying to get someone else to understand right. you right. with restrictions at, at its right. simplest effect. It's that genre of game, but it's yeah. It's, I mean, it's what if that, right. So, so for me, like the thing I think that actually finally clicked was when you said, and I think you said this, like, I think it was you, if it was me, cool. But I think it was you like, like a where's Waldo game, right? Like, like, like it's like, Mm -hmm. where's Waldo. 
And that to me was like a concrete theme that I was able to say, okay, my brain can now separate these two things. Now, um, you know, I think this is better served as that sort of game, right? And we immediately were like, let's try it out. And we threw a bunch of emojis on some cards uh, online in screen top. And I found some pictures. We threw it up there. And then we just started playing um, immediately, like literally immediately. Yeah. And then we started honing the process because there were we literally were just throwing everything at the wall to see what stuck. But um, I, I do want to say to your credit, when we first started this design, very first, and we started talking about the communication system. And I was like, you got this broken satellite phone. So like, you know, you can only send like specific messages. And I'm not sure how to do that. And you were like, what if they're emojis? And and I think I told you this before. If not, you'll hear it for the first time on the show. I, I My first gut was, that's an awful idea because that doesn't fit <laughs> the theme, right? And then I was like, well, it doesn't have to be emojis. And that's when we talked about like, Oh, it could just be symbols, right? Like it could be different symbols and stuff. And I was like, no, that's a brilliant idea. Um, but it can't be emojis. And so like when we came back to the idea of separating it, it was like, well, it's got to be emojis. Like, I mean, yeah, now it fits. Know, it fits perfectly. It fits so well. And in, in that, once again, is coming back to the th- idea that the game, the, the mechanic deserved to shine in a way that we weren't letting it shine. And I think that emojis based on a playtesting is what lets it shine because it's just so ridiculous. Um, So yeah, I think we should, I think if it's okay with you, we should actually pitch like specifically what the new game is and how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's give it. Yeah. So that people understand. Do you want to go ahead? Sure. I, I uh, have less pack practice. I have less practice pitching than you do so i'll take the opportunity i was gonna say let's put a name with the game so we can stop describing and yeah, yeah abstract concept uh so the game we've pivoted to uh based around this communication we are calling you are here which is excellent name jason i love it and sometimes i'm good I, at names sometimes and it is effectively a, a two plus player game um i think ideally it is a, a team game where two teams alternate um taking turns with one person trying to, uh, I should take one step back. Uh, it's a game about trying to get another player or players to guess where you are in a Where's Waldo style image. So a chaotic yep. piece of art with a ton of stuff happening uh, in the art. And you are a single character somewhere in that field mm-hmm. of 50 plus colorful people and that we're, we're working out the point system and the scoring but it's probably going to be a team versus team in the vein of um of poetry for cavemen or um code names code names concept. or yeah, yeah that it's that that's the kind of scoring mechanic but the mechanic itself of the game is you are looking at a, a piece of art cluttered with a bunch of everything happening on it mm-hmm. and you have to communicate to the other player or players which character you are you'll probably draw that character from a deck randomly selected and the only way you can communicate to the other players is using a a set of cards testing Mm -hmm. out 18 right now that have emojis on them literal emojis so you know yellow thinky face or girl in red dress or piece of apple pie like actual Mm -hmm. emojis that exist robot um, face yeah yeah in unicode and um and what what clicked for us so quickly and what's so interesting is the all of the different ways that 
uh, that people will try to communicate using these simple symbols um, mm-hmm. as they try to find a touchstone or some kind of uh, some kind of common point of understanding between themselves and this chaotic image and the yeah. other player. And Jason, you've got to do some actual in-person physical playtesting with this. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I would love to. So, so what we did was we, um, we, you know, I showed up with it and I had a deck of 54 cards. I think it was 54 emojis, two images that we stole from one was actually a where's Waldo image. Uh, I believe the other one was not, but they both looked like a where's Waldo image. They had 50 to a hundred people on it. Um, and so what I did was I, the first play test was I gave the entire deck of emojis of all 54 to a player. They picked a person and told me who it was, but no one else knew. And then they attempted to describe it to the other players, what they were doing. And, um, immediately, um, without direction, everybody tried to describe, uh, or most people, I feel like tried to describe the person. They tried to put things down to describe the person. Um, so like despite... if they if they had a um, uh, a character who was wearing a yellow ball cap and a red shirt and blue pants, they would try and take emojis of that shape and color and stack yes. them and, and dress yes. up a character. Yep. Something um, like that. Even though we had provided them with like a uh, with a card that says you are here, which is supposed to represent your character. But without telling them they couldn't describe it, that was kind of what they wanted to do, which doesn't surprise me because that's what you tried to do at first as well, right? I think the yeah, first playtest yeah. we did, you attempted to describe the person. So I think it's it felt alien to me because my first thought was describe the location, but that's because I was thinking about the previous game and describing the location, right? And but that, what we did... Oh, go ahead. That is way, that's way more fun is what we're seeing. Yes. And so when I said, hey, you can't describe the person, but you can position this in any way you want, uh, this you are here thing to show the angle of the person or whatever and how things fit around it, uh, people latched onto that immediately and started doing it. Uh, along the way, we came up with some some new ideas. One was, what if we only gave the people 18 cards? Um, mm-hmm. And we did that out of the necessity of having 54 cards. So we gave every player 18 cards. And what we found was 18 cards is actually great. Um, And if we expand the deck to a larger number, what it means is we can absolutely um, make it so that you can get multiple rounds without ever going back to that deck. So you guarantee that the the first group that tries to describe something on the map will not have the same emojis as the second group that tries to describe it or the third or the fourth. Uh, which is pretty awesome because it it makes it more difficult. One of the one of the things we were concerned about in the beginning was what if people start to just u- always use the same thing, right? Oh, this circle is this mm. merry-go-round. Um, and you and I noticed that in our playtest that we were having mm. to purposely not do that, right? You develop a common language very quickly, which could be useful. And I'm interested to look at like bonus rounds or or or. Mm-hmm ways that the game could take advantage of that but at the core the core set of rules that makes it not fun you want people to be coming up with new ways to communicate every single time right right and what we don't want to do is make it too easy for the second group right like the first group does all the work and so and so we we also played around with timing it uh we found that on average people could 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 
lay out the piece, lay out the cards, and find the person within five minutes. And if I can um, just quickly give a visual of course, reference yeah. of that, because this may be hard to picture if you're not looking at it, but imagine that you are the person trying to communicate to your team. You're looking at an image, again, you know, chaotic, full of lots of characters, and your character is mm-hmm. somewhere on it. Let's say your character is towards the top left, and it's an image of the beach. Well, mm-hmm. uh, above your character, there is a sailboat with a, with a, um, with a red sail and uh, a blue hull is that the right word yeah <laughs> yeah a blue and red sailboat and then off in the far left corner of the of the image there's just this very distinct uh purple beach ball and so you you begin laying cards on the table in like a a, a uh, intentionally positioned tableau to represent these key touch points on the image mm-hmm. whatever you as the the player recognize and think you can communicate with the emojis you have and um and then you try and triangulate those recognizable milestones with a card that says you are here and so you're trying to lay things out at the proper position and distance from recognizable objects that you can communicate yes on the uh on the on the image hopefully that makes sense and um and it's a challenge at first but from the perspective of the seeker things slowly start to fade into understanding kind of like one of those Mm -hmm. Uh, blurry pixelated images that you're supposed to guess yeah, yeah. is this a giraffe or a rhino yeah, and it becomes less right. and less pixelated and you have that moment of oh 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 i know i know what that is the same thing happens where you're like um i have no idea what any of these emojis i i see a tuba and underneath that is a pair of clown shoes i have no idea what you're telling me and then suddenly right. you realize oh that represents the lifeguard stand oh and that must mean okay and then a little bit below yep there's someone with that color Mm -hmm. oh 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 and you get it and it has this moment of um i understand you and i get what you're trying to say Mm -hmm. and we are on the same wavelength and that moment of snapping into um the same wavelength is what we're going for and uh, And and i think it has that really great yeah when you're like the loaf of bread is a bus I of course, get it. like, of yeah, course. I mean, it just feels great um, when you, when that clicks um, and it creates a lot of fun moments um, in there. So one of the things, you know, we talked about with that coming back from the play tests, we certainly learned a lot. Um, some people figured out how to break the game by like Kelly was like, hey, could I put cards face I, down? I, don't, I like, don't, don't tell them they'll do it. <laughs> they'll <laughs> Fair enough. I guess you can tell okay. people you can tell people not to do this. No, it's fine. Don't. I mean, do that's this the idea, right? Test. Is, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do not do this in your playtest. We should say this so that people don't do it. Uh, so what Kelly did was Kelly put uh, a card face down in, in 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 to represent each of the corners of the board because he didn't have um he didn't have anything that he could match to those corners with his emojis that he had available to him. And then he put his his you are here card. It, the character had happened to be pretty centrally located, so that made it pretty easy to judge. And then he gave like two references, and boom, they got it in like two minutes, um, which is very which clever. Is, but it is, I think, doesn't match the the rest of the game. And so right, I think right. we want to we want to pull that out to allow people more of that realization of position and space. Right. During right. the discovery. And, in you know, he he asked a really good question because he was like, yeah, he's like, I know. He's like, I, I wasn't cheating. Right. Because it wasn't against the rules. But 
I was breaking your game and I was trying to, and that's, you mean, we want that with, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but now we know mm-hmm. it's, it was broken in that way. So don't do that. But he asked a, a really good question, which was if pretend I didn't put the cards face down, if I had been able to find four emojis that looked like the four characters in the corner, would you have been okay with that to do the spacing that way? And I was like, absolutely. That's literally what you're doing in the game, right? I mean, like, right. you are now that's hard to do because there's not always something in every corner, right? Um, but essentially, that's what a lot of people are doing is they're laying the cards around that you are here card trying to say, look, this cactus, this green cactus is this person in the green shirt. I need you to see that, right? I think that's what they're trying Obviously. to do. Yeah. Um so anyways, I, I we learned a lot around that. And, and one of the things we settled on from that was I kind of had it in my mind that I wanted to reduce time each round. So basically, we you know, your five minutes seemed to work pretty well. So like, you know, we said, OK, five minutes, but your guess has to happen in that time. You get one guess. If you're wrong, the other team gets to try and steal by guessing. So and they're an advantage because you've already guessed what theoretically was the most obvious wrong choice. Right. So. They're going to get, you know, a chance at that. Uh, and that's, of course, beyond two players. You can also just play this as a two-player game where one person tries to help you find it and, you you know, you score for that. Uh, but what Michael came up, which which I loved, was that you can voluntarily reduce the number of cards you draw to give yourself more points. So if it's one point normally, you could say, and this the rules may be different than this, so please read them, but <laughs> it may say for 12 cards instead of 18, you can have two points. For you know, uh, I don't remember what you said below that. Was it for like, uh, I wanted to go eight cards and three. And the, the yeah. idea was just, you have this decision point right at the beginning of your turn where you can tell yourself, Hey, I, I, I don't, this map looks chaotic or I'm brand new to this game. I want all the help I can get. Or you can say, you know what? I think I could do this with only eight cards. I don't think I need 18 emojis. I think I could do it with eight and I'm going to get three times as many points or maybe, your team is just behind and this is your one hail Mary. And it's, it's a long shot to, to pull this off. But if you do, it's the comeback of the century. So I wanted to give that mm-hmm. um, elasticity to the scoring and the yep. ability to reward players with some risk and reward aspects. Simple. This is a very simple game, but I think that's important. So we want to test that out and see how it feels. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you, I think described it as the ability to shoot the moon, right? To say we're behind Mm-hmm. This is the last round of the game. It's kind of like in code names when you're like, listen, they only need one and we need four. I'm going to try and be really clever and get you to get all four. And it doesn't work. But in this game, it, <laughs> it never might does. work. <laughs> so, and uh, if it does, it would be awesome, right? Because you're working with uh, uh, so little material at that point. But if, if it, the idea, and I said this from the beginning, especially when we pivoted, I said, I want this to be a game about feeling understood. And about mm-hmm. be literally becoming better at communicating with the other human or humans on the other side. Right. right. And I think this, I think this encapsulates that, encapsulates that, captures Encapsula- that, whatever. Captures, encapsulates, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about, because um, we still want to talk about what happened to Before the Light Dies and where that's going to go. But let's, let's finish out this topic first, I think yeah. is important. So, so what our goal is, is that we're going to, um, we're asking for help. We... This is, you know, this is a game that we see as a, the chance to be a mass market game. Uh, and we know that that means it needs a good amount of playtesting um, 
from a lot of different people who are interested in trying it out at two player you know we, we i think the rules say it's two to 12 players but i mean really it's two to infinity players if you have the patience for that sort of thing um <laughs> so uh yeah so what we're gonna do is we're gonna put out a print and play and the rules uh on building the game uh, podcast.com uh, it'll be at uh, building the game podcast.com slash you are here with no spaces um and you will be able to go to that and uh, find it. I'll also put a link in our Discord for that. And then the only thing we ask is that after you play it, uh, that you just send us some feedback on it. It doesn't have to be super in-depth. It can just be quick thoughts. Uh, it can be like, I hate this. If you hate it, just tell us why you hate it, because that's real helpful to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, if you're like, I hate it because Jason designed it, that's fair, but I want to know that. Uh, so that I know that you just don't like stuff I design. And that's that's understandable. Um, so you can email us to buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com for that. Or, of course, you're welcome to come to our Discord and do that. Um, we absolutely would love to have you in the Discord. And Come uh, hang out with us. We have a good time. We really do. We really do. Our we really Tuesday do. night discussions are lively. Uh, people sometimes say things that are uh, uh, questionable. Michael, lively? But, um, <laughs> lively they are very lively and they're a really good time um so highly highly recommend that but we really would love to have um we'd really love to have y'all out there with us uh playing and um the thing is that this will be uploaded by the time this posts so if you're listening to this uh then it's it's already there uh we'll i will put a link i'll put a link in the show notes but i don't know how well that will transfer over uh via um like the whatever podcast app you use. So I will put it there, uh, but you may need to go to buildinggamepodcast.com slash you are here. Uh, and then you can just download that PNP file. Yeah. Go get a printer, get a pair of scissors, get a couple friends and have a good time with it. Uh, I, I hope it's as much fun to play test for you as it has mm-hmm. been for us. And we would love to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly on what you think, because we want to make this even more fun to play and mm-hmm. even uh, better at capturing that that feeling of communication and being understood. So, right. Um, and I think right now it's 72 emojis, um, 12 uh, character cards that'll just be like target cards for you to use, um, and then one You Are Here card, and then a couple maps realistically if you print one map that's fine you know pick the one you think mm-hmm. looks most interesting uh just let us know which one you used if you're only going to use one and give feedback um yeah but yeah i can't wait to hear what people have to say about it and i i promise you if you play it you will have fun because it's fun like it's every game we played even when people were struggling like oh i need to figure this out <laughs> like they had a good time and uh yeah and they were uh they were laughing and having a lot of those aha moments which that are one of the things I love most about playing, you know, party style games. Same, same. So what happened to that other game about surviving in Alaska that you cared so much about? So, so first things first, I will be honest and say that when we decided to split the, split the game in two, that I was very, like, I was like, listen, like I'm holding you to the fact that we're going to finish designing this other game. Um, Not just because I super love the theme, but because the puzzle that that was created for that other game and that we worked on is really fun. Like it's, it's a fun puzzle. It's Mm. just, it didn't fit with that communication style. So right now our biggest focus is of course on this, right? 
Uh, but I think we'll be able to have a little more free time once we get this out there and everybody can start playing it uh, for the emoji game for um, you are here. And then with if you find if you find this, gosh, I do this all the time with if you find this one before the light dies, um, I say the wrong name. <laughs> but uh, before the light dies, then we can dive back into that. I know my goal for that is to make the system um, like figure out ways that we can simplify it, but keep it interesting um and uh and also introduce some sort of new communication right right now what we were spitballing just uh yesterday i think when we were talking on our normal weekly meeting was to take away the problem of you can't um of you can't like actually uh chat with each other to say that once a day you can chat with each other because that's how much battery power you've got uh, which allows you to actually give information back and forth. Uh, but what likely that means is that you will not be able to, like we're going to have to drastically reduce the information that's actually available to the um, to the stranded person. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. So in any puzzle game, the way I think about it is... Um... And, and that could be like literally a puzzle game or it could be a strategy game. Any, any game where you're trying to work towards a solution and you're working against um, either either time or resource scarcity or certain death. Uh, <laughs> to, to make it interesting, <laughs> there has to be something obscuring the answer. And it could be just straight up complexity, you know, like a maze on the back of a kid's menu. The, the answer mm-hmm. is completely there, but there's just so many lines on the page that it doesn't immediately pop out to you. Um, or it can be literally hidden information like cards that are um, unknown in a random order or another player. And so in this case, we are talking about making the communication more open. And so we mm-hmm. have to balance that by obscuring the information that the communicators have. Otherwise, you can get this place where all of the information becomes known. And then it's just a matter of time and attention span to solve it. And I think most people don't enjoy that kind of game where it's just, Hey, you can solve this term one. You just have to stop and think about it long enough. There's there's right. That has a, an audience, but it's a smaller one I'd say. And so um, I don't, I don't want to create that. Neither do you. So we, we're going to, we're going to try and tweak those knobs. And if you, if give... you want that, you should go play micro macro crime city or macro mm-hmm. micro, whatever it is. Cause that is what that game is, right? It's like a huge map with a bunch of stuff on it. And you try and solve these crimes and all the answers are in front of you the whole time. Uh, and it's really interesting. Uh, but yeah, that's absolutely what we're not trying to do, right? We want to obscure the info and have you be able to figure it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll walk that back, actually, because I was just earlier um, on the call, I mentioned Into the Breach, which is a phenomenal strategy game. And that is a game where all the information is known on turn one. Uh, but um, so... It's a great genre of game, but not for everyone. Uh, and that's not what we're trying to build. So we're going to try and balance that information. I think the conceit of the communication works better, too. Like, I, I've been thinking more about this. And I imagine you have a solar-powered zone, phone, which was your idea originally, Jason. But instead of only having enough battery power to send three emojis, which is kind of a difficult pill thematically to swallow. Right, what right, if right. there's just enough sunlight for your old crappy phone that you can get 60 seconds of a voice call and that's Mm -hmm. it. And I think we didn't do that originally because 
if you could talk for 60 seconds, you could solve it all with our old literally. Game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but if information is hidden, if you don't know precisely where you are, if you can say, Hey, there's some mountains, like I can see mountains from here. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a stream nearby. Uh, and that's all, you know, turn one, then I think we can roll out the information the stranded player has while they're also trying to survive and maybe mm-hmm. put more power into the hand of the seeker which was one of the other issues with the older iteration of the game, which is the seeker just didn't have enough of an active role. We felt right. Right. No, they, um, they felt like they felt like they were game mastering it almost. Right. Or they were just mm-hmm. kind of, they were, they were there to help facilitate the, the other player playing a game, which there's nothing wrong with, but was 100% not the experience. We wanted this to feel like a, you know, like a real like connection between the players of trying to solve and, you know, survive. Yeah, it, it is very, very intentional about that asymmetric co-op experience um, for this game. So it's not a solo game run by a game master. It is a asymmetric game, equal, equal importance on both roles, equal balance on both roles. Players should be interested in playing both roles. Um, so... Yeah, um, that's, that's definitely the idea. Um, a lot of old co-op video games is kind of inspiration for me. Things like It Takes Two, where you know what you're doing is often very different, but you have to do it together mm-hmm. or you're both going to fail. And mm-hmm. that's I think that's what we're going for. And I'm excited to get back to that um, once we have this game where we want it. And our, I feel like it's a good spot. Mm-hmm. To, and one of the uh, other inspirations that I want to mention but I won't give details on, uh, but if you know, you know, because if you've played it, you'll understand this, um, is what for me, thinking now about having the fact that you can talk back and forth, um, a huge inspiration for a wilderness game where you can talk back and forth uh, and there's some interesting things going on is Firewatch. I think is brilliant and had a really big effect on me when I played it and and really big feelings when I finished it. Um, and Michael hasn't played it yet, which is why I'm not giving information. Uh, but Michael, you. you got you got to play it because it is um, it really is a game when I finished it, it left me with a feeling when I finished it um, like that, that hung with me for for a minute, like for a few days. I, I kept thinking about that game. Um, and that's that is an interesting thing that you do not get out of every, you know, out of every video game you play, especially. So, yeah, yeah. No, I I can think of a handful of games that have left me that way, and um, I'm excited to play that one. It's on my it's on my list of recommendations that I will actually follow through on. I understand. Yeah, you. I'm a man of my word. I have read two <clears throat> books you've recommended to me. It's true. Physical it's books. True. I uh, I take recommendations seriously. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's it is. Yeah. He's not lying. So. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, I think with this, you know, with Before the Light Dies, the goal is get back, repair some stuff that's not working, you know, um, really kind of talk through some different pieces of how to make it work. And um, yeah, yeah, there, there's a few tough nuts that I wish we could crack. Like wh- one of the mm. things that I wish we could do with the game. And it, let's say you're a builder out there and you're like, hey, I've got this idea how you could do this. Tell us. Right. Here's what I wish we could do. I wish that we literally didn't have to know where the player was on the map when they started. And by we, I mean any of us. Like, 
I wish there was a way to have the player start on a tile mm. and then slowly they reveal more tiles to form the map. Yeah. Um, Fog of War style, which is so easy in video games. So and I've seen, easy. I've seen people try. I, I've played Fire Emblem. I've been playing a ton of Polytopia on my phone. Like, it's so easy to just make mm-hmm. little clouds cover the grid. But yeah. I've seen people try and do it in video and in, in board games. And I can't think personally of a an implementation of Fog of War in a board game that I was really happy with. Have you ever played anything that did that to your not, satisfaction? Not good enough that I remember it. I mean, I've played games that have done that, but nothing jumps out at me as like, yep. I, I mean, so there are plenty of tile laying games where you can just reveal a new tile, right? Sure. You flip um, it but, over. But that's not Scythe, Fog of War. Scythe does right? that. Yeah. You know. To me, Fog of War is, is different than that. I, I think that the, the thing that we're running into is a problem here is that we have a set map, right? Mm-hmm. And you are given a location on said map. And, you know, I think the goal now right now would be that when you're given a location, you don't know which way is north, south, east or west. Like you personally don't know that the seeker looking at the map knows which directions everything is, but they don't know where you are. Right. And you only know the space you're in. And then you've got like fog of war style stuff covering the tiles around you um, on a little board. But that little board is a subsection of the actual game board um, with no top or bottom. So literally you have no idea where you are, you know, uh, or what direction is what. Um, And that's something that graphically we've talked about trying to figure out how the heck to do as well. Um, But because there is kind of like a master like board that you have to work from it's it's nigh impossible to like you know figure out what i'm i think a system that implements it really really well is Mm -hmm. real quick is um uh mr jack uh pocket which is a sherlock holmes game where you're trying to figure out who jack the ripper is and um at the beginning of the game there's no one is jack the ripper you determine who is Jack the Ripper by eliminating suspects. And when you eliminate suspects, they go away. And eventually, you guessed it, there's only going to be one suspect, and that's going to be Jack the Ripper, right? And I wish there was a way to do that in a two-player asymmetrical try-and-find-me-on-this-map game. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to pick Julio's brain or maybe Connor's brain from the Discord channel. People mm-hmm. that have... Uh, that that think component first or at least are mm-hmm. very good at putting components into their game design i don't think that way i think dice and cards um a roll and rise is a stretch for me i think about mechanics <laughs> and i think about systems but i don't think about physical things very well um and and how they might solve it and i feel like this is an opportunity where a creative um designer could come up with a new component that could solve this really well like i i thought of you you talked about revealing something what if there was literally a a square that was the size of a nine by nine grid and Mm -hmm. it had um and it could and it was like an envelope with one side open you could slide cards in and out of it and you slid four cards into it you slid Mm -hmm. them in um you slid in the card that represented your map. Let's just say it's a, a three by three grid, nine. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you slide in a card that um, obscures everything but your central location. So it's got like a little window in it. 
and it covers everything but the one thing you want to be able to see. And you put mm-hmm. all these things in upside down so that the information is there, but it's in an envelope, it's hidden, and you literally have a, a card that has a transparency window or a hole in it, and it only shows you what you want to see, and maybe there's a way hmm. to like... That's interesting. You, know, you want to look left? Well, you slide in the card that has the center and the left covered on top, and then you slide mm-hmm. out the card underneath, and now you can see only that information. It seems a little frigidy, right. but I bet there's a component solution for this right. that I, I, my brain does not go there first, and I, I think we should c- consider that or bring in someone who specializes mm-hmm. in that kind of thinking. One idea that makes me think of, and this, this now, like this solves the problem, but you'd have to have a bajillion components to keep people guessing, um, which would be you could have um, nine tiles, right? Um, and you'd have multiple versions of these nine tiles. And on the back, they're numbered one through nine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the center tile, um, which is uh, whatever, you know, that's the center one. That's what you flip. And then you can flip those other tiles as you go. So the order is predetermined, right? You know what order they're in. Because you lay them out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, right? Um, but as you explore areas, you can flip them. So that keeps the integrity of the board together, but completely makes it so you don't know what it is. But of course, again, the catch is if you wanted to have more than one play of that game, you're gonna have to have a whole crap ton of those tiles. And if yeah. you do, they're never going to um you know, they're never going to uh, you're never going to know for sure. Um, you, you, you like, how do you pick without without knowing you've already picked a set of tiles? Right. Yeah. And it, and it feels kind of fidgety again, too. Or like there'll be a lot of setup. The genius in a lot of good component design. This is not a strength of mine is <laughs> something something simple. Um you know, easy to set up, easy to deploy. And I know some mm-hmm. people just sign up for the the long setup and they're okay with that because the game is worth the um, the effort. The juice is worth the squeeze, I think Julio said. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for, for a lot of people, that's an understandable turnoff. So I'd love a solution. I'd love a solution that was elegant, simple, easy to set up and solve all our problems. If you have a solution like that, you can write in at... <laughs> building the game podcast at gmail.com or just ideas or, that that's going to be fun to the, solve yeah. yeah or if it's in the dis- or, anywhere in the discord yeah. add us post please. in the uh in the show feedback on the discord yeah that'd be great um, um but yeah but no really I mean, we, we would love to hear people's thoughts on what to do with that because we're struggling um we can make the game work like i'm confident we we had some solutions that would work but none of them feel like what we want the solution to be, mm-hmm. you know? So, so um, if I can, if I can put a neat bow on what the problem is, mm-hmm. we uh, just to kind of loop it back in for anyone trying to follow along, we have a, um, a search and rescue person who has a map of the entire area. And mm-hmm. uh, at some point, the lost person will have and communicate enough unique information about their surroundings that where they are, is completely obvious to the search and rescue person. So just like you said, Jack the Ripper, you have eliminated all other possibilities. And the problem we have is how do we keep the lost player from knowing all of that information turn one? How do we give them enough information to solve the puzzle 
without giving it all to them turn one. Because if, if we tell them turn one, here are all of your surroundings. This is enough unique information that if you communicate this correctly to the um, lost and found, the, the search and rescue player, they will be able to find you in the map 100% every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, our answer to that originally was we make communicating very difficult. But since right, we're making right. communicating easier, we need a way to hide some of that information from the lost player and reveal it over time through right. some kind of turn or reward structure or something. And and the current best solution that we have, the current best solution that we have is um, we created a card that you would have. Like, so we have, we could have a whole deck of location cards. Uh, and on that card are nine squares or was it six? But it just been six. Um, it's nine. And it's also been one bigger, which is uh, a four by four, 16. No, it was okay, a five yeah. by five. So, it was a twenty-five. Oh, yeah. oh! I have an idea. What if um, go back to my my sleeve idea? What if you have a sleeve? We'll keep it a three by three and nine, um, and uh, and you you slide the card in, but it has another card on top of it, so it's hidden information. So you've got a a square covering your square, which is your map. It tells you where you are, mm-hmm. and then we build something not too not too fidgety that uh, lets you place nine blanks, right, on top Mm -hmm. of it. Yep. And then you slide out the card covering everything, and you have your map with nine blank tiles covering it. Very similar to what we did virtually, but I couldn't think how to make that happen mechanically. And then you could just pick up a tile when you learn that information and visually Mm -hmm. see it. But you wouldn't yeah. have to see the map initially. You'd put it in upside down after drawing it from a deck. And so you wouldn't know anything until you remove one of those tiles. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that something like that could very well be the thing. For sure. That is that is the best idea that, that we've heard so far. So That's all yeah. we have. So please give us something else. That's give the us best a better idea. idea. So, yeah, so we would love to hear feedback. We'd also love it again if you'd be willing to test the You Are Here game, which once again is at buildinggamepodcast.com slash you are here, all one word. Um, yeah, but this is uh, this has been a fun little journey through this, the development of this game and the, the big pivot that we did. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I hope the listeners really enjoyed it as well. I hope so, too. I'm having a good time. Me, too. Me, too. Well, listeners, once again, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com. You can email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. You can join our Discord. Find the link at our podcast uh, website. Uh, also, 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 you can, of course, find us on the Twitter at PodcastBTG, at J.A. Slingerland, and at Wonderful Games. That is O-N-E-D-E-R, full games. And, uh, yeah, you can keep coming back every single week. But until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.